0: So guys, I'm trying to think of like what song to open this episode with, and like, do you guys, like, are there any like pop songs that like I don't know, like, are about like Mozart or or anything? Like maybe some from the '80s, some weird esoteric stuff. Like I'm try- I just
1: maybe uh... it, it, it maybe. A, maybe it should also be a cover of another song that nobody's ever heard of before.
0: Yeah, that sounds that sounds really because really like I'm I because you know I want something with lyrics. I'm probably just gonna go with, like Don Giovanni or something. I don't, you know what? I'm sure, I'm sure something will come to me, and I'll just like, I'll, I'll do a YouTube search, and it'll be like the first, whatever the first song comes up, will be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'd be fine. It'd be great. Okay. Hello, Internet. Welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your conductor, Stephen Buja, and joining me is my one and only court composer, Matthew Marchetti. Court composer, how are you?
2: <laughs> I'm fine. I feel like that means I have to be like Machiavellian and be screwing you over subtly over the next couple of years.
0: I just, I just feel like I should just keep calling you court composer, despite knowing your name completely, like... uh like the characters in the movie. But right. um, Matt, uh, we have a very special guest today. He uh, is the co-founder and co-host of This Was Rad Podcast, in which two guys in their 30s force a teenage girls to watch movies from their childhood in the 80s. Uh, sadly, it is not the, uh, the star of the show, the teenage girl. No, it's, we're going to have to settle for one of the 30-year-old guys. <laughs> uh, he is a Fitchburg State College alum. And he is an all-around great guy. It is the one, the only, Mr. Greg Moberg. Thank out. you
1: guys for having me. Super it's, great. I I haven't been on for quite a while, so it has been I'm excited it's been, to be
0: back. Yeah, it's it's been too long. You helped uh you helped us out in the uh, co-host situation when uh, back when we had a uh, little difficulty there. You were on two of uh, two great episodes: the um, the Deer Hunter and Argo, which I love and it's been it's always a pleasure talking to you and it's been a pleasure listening to you sir uh the episodes have been uh you've hit you're almost at 100 now
1: yeah we're at we're above 96 i think we're we're counting them down yeah which really i keep explaining this to my co-host that doesn't matter because we go every week so we should be excited about 104 because that's mm-hmm. a full two years but he like it's all just like no it's 200 it's 100 we're gonna be great 100 100 that's all I care about. <laughs> So that's what we do.
0: Yeah. Do you have any uh, special things planned for yield 100?
1: We we do. Um I don't know if we're publicly releasing them, but um we're gonna we we've, we've got a pretty interesting thing that's going to involve a classic horror movie that we have from the 80s that we have not done. Ooh. And uh yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be uh, I hope it's gonna be good. This is one of those swinging for the fences. It's either going to be great or it's just going to
0: be unlistenable, so we'll (laughs) see what happens. Classic horror movie from the 80s, that does not narrow it down whatsoever. That could be anything. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) Yeah. But speaking of the 80s and a completely non-horror film, today's movie, we are looking at the 1984 Best Picture winner, Amadeus, directed by Milos Forman, written by Peter Schaefer, starring F. Murray Abraham, Tom Holtz. Elizabeth Beridge, Simon Callow, and the one and only, the great Principal Rooney himself, Jeffrey Jones. <laughs> <laughs> um, Greg, I, be- I believe this is a film of some import to you. Am I? Right oh yeah,
1: no, um, yeah. This was this was a really big movie. Um, when uh, like like in my household, me and my brother really really dug this flick. Um, we saw it. It was some point in the 90s I think. I think I've told this story on this podcast before. We decided we were going to watch every best picture winner um, mm-hmm. from start to finish. It, we did not get anywhere close. We we watched a <laughs> lot, but we we did not come anywhere near uh, hitting it. And this was one of the ones that we'd like never seen, nobody had ever suggested that we watched and we just fell in love with it. And we we especially in the, like the early DVD days when you had those snap Cases that were like all cardboard. Oh, yeah. yeah, we picked this up very early, so we I've I've seen this movie. Although I believe I've only ever seen the director's cut. I don't think you can track down a non-director's cut of this movie. uh At least I, not 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 idea. easily.
0: Yeah, I think you are right. I don't think I've like everyone was saying like yeah, there was twenty minutes. There's been twenty minutes added or so. Minutes added. Yeah. I I don't remember ever not seeing it this way, and I have. Only vague memories of ever seeing this. I've seen it once or twice before, way back in the day. But uh, I was surprised at the difficulty of tracking down one of the non non non-standard versions.
1: Yeah, I had to use Voodoo, which uh, I I hope they're not a sponsor because I hate them. They're awful. (laughs) They only they only work if you can use Flash, and I can never get Flash to like work on my on Chrome. So like, I had to get Internet Explorer, which I haven't run in years. Um, so yeah, that's how I had to watch it. It was awful. Voodoo. Come on, get it together. Seriously.
0: And Matt, what is your experience with Amadeus?
2: Yeah, I was actually trying to remember. It sounds similar to yours, Steve. I, I believe we watched it in high school at some point, probably in a music class. Um that's that's what that's what feels like we did. I, I know I had seen it, but it hadn't been since high school. Um and I don't recall if it was the director's cut then or if it was uh, the theatrical edition. Um, I don't even honestly remember if we watched the entire thing because I was kind of going back and as, as I was re it this time, there was plenty of moments that stood out for me, but some of it was like, uh, I don't know. And it could have been stuff that was in the director's cut that wasn't in the theatrical, or it could have been that the teacher skipped around just to show us key scenes. So I was very excited to rewatch it again, which um, I guess watched it for the first time in some aspects so but either way high yeah. school
0: yeah it's a very long movie it's not not one you can it's that's this is a four class uh film i think in uh in in high school uh, running in a an hour what two it's like three hours 240 or something. it's yeah.
1: it's yeah it's very close to three
0: with the credits yeah. a very long movie and yeah. as we will uh discuss throughout the rest of the uh the episode uh, is it a very good movie? Well, I guess we will find out. So, right now, we're going to take a break. You're going to listen to Lawrence Olivier blub the announcement of the best picture winner <laughs> this year at the Oscars. And when we come back, we're going to discuss those very same Oscars. So, stick around, folks.
3: Dear ladies and gentlemen, thank you more than I have ever wanted or tried to thank anybody for such a perfectly wonderful reception. Thank you so much. I hope I won't let the occasion down too badly. I'm here to present the Best Picture Award and the winner for this is Amadeus.
0: Amadeus won best picture and boy howdy did it take home a lot of other awards alongside that. Which of you two fine gentlemen would like to discuss the wins and nominations that Amadeus had that year? I'll
2: I'll defer to Greg if he's got him.
1: Yeah, okay, okay. Uh let's see. I can I'll try to go through this. It uh, it took best Picture. Uh it took best director. Uh, which was uh, Milos Foreman. If we hadn't said his yep. name before, I, I his uh, his second
0: his second win. Actually, he won in '75 for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I mean, directed that.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. I always forget that. That's him. Um, it it had two actors from Amadeus nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, both both Tom Hulse and F Murray Abraham got nominated. Uh, I think rightfully so. F Murray Abraham took mm-hmm. home Best Actor. Tom Hulse is still amazing in this movie, but F Murray
0: Abraham. Yeah, is. absolutely.
1: I've forgotten how great he was in this. He's mm. fantastic. And uh, uh, uh,
0: this is the last film to be nominated with two leading actors in the, in the same movie for the same, you know, because they usually, it, in future mm-hmm. times, they probably would have split it up to like have Tom Hulse be supporting actor so he can have another shot right. at it. But this last time it was like, nope, you do not have these, you do not have this movie without these two amazing performances. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see, you got best adapted screenplay because it was a play before this, yes. correct?
0: The uh, okay. Peter Schaefer, uh, the guy who wrote Equus, that oh, play about, oh, the, it's the, play same about dude. the horse and the nudity, I think that's really all. That's all I oh, know. About. <laughs> I,
1: I just remember Harry Potter was in it in London and that made a big yeah, splash. I don't know what his real name is, he's just Harry Potter that's, now. Uh, it's Elijah Forever. Wood, right. <laughs> not, it, was, it was swiss army man you know harry potter it was, it was the same dude um it also took best sound uh best art direction best costume design and best makeup
0: really can't uh y- y- i can't argue with any of those it's a uh, sumptuous looking movie that uh the makeup alone that's that's a great old man makeup on uh f murray yes. abraham there
1: I was thinking the same thing even with like a high definition transfer it holds up it looks really good very good
0: very good and uh one cannot fault the costuming uh and the uh and the wigs Oh, and those hats Whew. love those love love me Beautiful those hats wigs. love me those hats so uh yeah oh. it,
1: i was just going to say the, the 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 fact that they shot like on location in europe mm-hmm. like you can it, it has a real lived in feel yeah. to it you know because mm-hmm. nowadays you know, at at best, you'd get, like, a uh, Phantom Menace where, like, they build, like, a tiny set and then green screen the rest of it. And this, they were actually like, well, it was, you know, back in 84, they're like, no, we'll just go to Europe. There's, just like, all this stuff's still around. It's fine. <laughs> right. You know, it's cheap enough. It doesn't matter. So I, I love me uh practical effects yes. and practical settings. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's fantastic. It is so beautiful to look at, like yeah. you said.
0: Uh, it was shot in... On location in Prague, I believe, which I think is is Milos Forman's hometown. So it it has that great old Europe lived in feel, which um, I think you can still get to these days. Uh, I'm told Prague, my wife has been it's a lovely, lovely city worth going to. Uh, So it was nominated for three other Academy Awards. Best Actor Tom Hulse discussed that. And it lost uh cinematography and editing as well. Um those are two um those are two of the big ones. Every every best Picture is generally nominated for uh one. Usually they win both, so it's odd to see them uh losing out. Because I think the cinematography in this is um great. It does feel at times a little Broadway-ish. It's like, okay, and now we're gonna plant the camera and people are going to act, you know, act within within it. But <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's got some great depth to it, and um, some, some, the, the light. lighting is phenomenal.
2: So it's all—I all, read it's all natural oh. lighting, so it, I fe- it felt like that. It felt very like warm and and just real. Yeah, at the time. yeah, and the
0: uh, yeah, and the candlelight. A- oh, the candlelight. Oh, candlelight. There's yeah. so much candlelight. I noticed that a, a lot. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. And uh, the editing—I uh, think it gets some points docked down for the director's cut. At least, at least that's what I'm told. It, seems, it has a little bit of slowness to it. Full disclosure, I did see the director's cut uh, for this. As did uh, I. We try, I, I tend to try to just want to watch the movie that won the award. But if I didn't watch, but I'm not watching the theatrical cut of Return of the King because why would you do that? So, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've already broken that
3: rule. the
1: The main scene that is different um, is the scene where Salieri calls in. Uh, Mozart's wife to come back to the castle at night, and like, and she does, and she gets topless. That was not in the theatrical okay. cut. That's the, from what I'm told, that's the real big scene, mm. which most people enjoy because now you understand why she hates him. Hates right, him
2: so much because yeah. without it,
1: she's just like really antagonistic towards this guy, and you don't really understand why. So,
0: okay,
1: I guess yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. Me too.
0: Um, the 1984 ceremony. Uh, a couple of fu- a couple of famous things happened. You had uh, the Sally Fields. She won Best Actress, her second one, for Places in the Heart. And this was the long-parodied uh, You Like Me Right Now, which everyone knows is now You Like Me, You Really Like Me, that I think everyone has done at one point in their lives. And uh, the second and last non-professional actor uh, won a supporting actor role. and That was Hong S. Noir for Roland Joff's The Killing Fields which uh the three of us have or at least one of us might have a little you know not not necessarily an issue with it's a great role but uh there was another nominee that year that perhaps should have won greg moberg the floor is yours
1: yeah it clearly should have been pat moriata from the karate kid uh hands hands down hands down he's that is such a I mean, everybody thinks that that movie's good. Like, no, not many people dislike it. But he is so good in that movie, and it was a role they they didn't want him to take actually, because really? he was he was a comedic actor. He was on Happy Days and stuff. If you remember, yeah, he was. I do. Yeah, and and uh, they also wanted to cut that great scene where he's talking about his wife and how she died and how he was in the but army. that's the Oscar scene.
0: That's and, probably the scene they showed. It <laughs> you know, literally is the Oscar
1: <laughs> scene. And um, so yeah, so the director was like. No, we're going to keep this in and he fought really hard and then it went and got him a, a nomination so and
0: immortality
1: yeah and look to be fair i haven't seen the killing fields maybe i'll watch it and be like oh yeah no pat moriata but what a ham and egg <laughs> it's, it's this other guy but uh i don't think i will
0: it's well you know it's a delightful uplifting tale of um uh, paul pot's vicious regime in cambodia with all the with all the killing, so you know it's 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 a good time. Oh it's a yeah, good time. It sounds like a like a
1: real a real uh, just uplifting uh <laughs> triumph for the human spirit kind of movie. Sounds great.
0: Sure, let's go with that. But The Killing Fields was nominated for Best Picture alongside three other films. Like, who wants to say it first? Who wants to say it first? A passage there we go. to India. Yes. The last film of David Lean's long and storied career, his first movie in fourteen years, and according to critics, his best one since Lawrence of Arabia. I've never seen it. You guys seen it? Nope. nope. Okay. Have you seen <laughs> Places in the Heart? Nope. Uh, nope. No. Have you seen A Soldier's Story?
1: I am. I'm clicking on all of these just to look at the, what the lines are. Just the. So okay, okay. Places in the Heart is what Sally Field right. won for. Yes. Okay, okay. Depression era Texas Widow tries to save the family oh, farm. Lord. I feel like I've seen that movie a billion isn't times. That a, isn't, yeah. that, isn't that every uh, lifetime I movie? I was gonna say I liked it better when it was the rec center and they saved it with breakdancing, <laughs> but you know, man tomato. Was that um, and it looks like a soldier's story is in an, an adaptation from an off-Broadway production where a black officer is sent to investigate the murder of a black sergeant in Louisiana near the end of World War II.
0: Okay. So we it sounds like we got a lot of real uplifting winners here this year. Mm. You know, it's good, it's, yeah, yeah, wow. These are all, like, super-duper heavy. <laughs> Even <laughs> It's actually
1: kind of interesting when you stack Amadeus up next to those that Amadeus wound up winning.
0: Amadeus seems like the, the most comedic. Of the ball, yeah, 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 it's like it's lighthearted, <laughs> yeah, it's incredibly lighthearted in places. Yeah. It involves a guy dying way too young of some unknown, like cirrhosis or something. You know, it's it's fine. Yeah, and jealous, It's funny. Professional jealousy and envy uh, and, and all that. He, but uh, he died. Yeah, but um, but yeah, right. guys, I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at. So those are the the five films that the Academy of Motion Pictures Arts and Sciences thought were the best movies of the year. But I'm looking at. Which
1: they're 100%, 100% wrong they, on, they, by the way, um, I think. Is yeah, I think the, we agree. Because
0: I'm looking at 1984 in film, and, all, and I have my note here. It says it's basically this was rad the year in movies. I, <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, we've covered almost <laughs> all the important ones, <laughs> um,
1: including the one that's about to come out next week, uh, Red oh, Dawn, yes. <laughs> which we just did.
0: <laughs> so. oh, I love that movie. It's so bad, but it's so okay. good. Wolverines. wolverines yeah like, oh man but no the like, yeah so just, just start just start throwing them out there i mean we could spend we can spend the entire okay. rest of the podcast talking about these well we, the, the karate kid i i already
1: said uh i think i think marchetti should take the one that's on his shirt right now yeah
2: ghostbusters yeah yeah it Is there
1: <laughs> huge
2: <laughs> ghostbusters yeah that's a little a, a quaint yeah. little movie yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, made, it made some waves gremlins also covered on the podcast never ending story covered uh, on the podcast uh, the yep. greatest mo- 16, 16 candles covered on the podcast, Terminator, Temple right. of Doom, both Fuck. covered on the podcast. The, uh, the greatest movie of all time, according to you, Dune. Dune. <laughs> oh,
1: oh my god! Oh god, and uh, Footloose, yeah, not on the podcast. Have you done Purple Rain? Um, we haven't, but um, no, and like, nor, nor have we done Conan the Destroyer, um. And uh, not, not because I haven't complained about it. We haven't done Repo Man Aww. either. Um, Revenge of the Nerds we're really yeah. conflicted about because it's like, do we want to subject a 14-year-old to a lot of stuff that doesn't hold up so great in Revenge <laughs> of the Nerds? Like, I don't know. There's uh, the main character straight up rapes someone and it's played it for laughs.
2: Yes, it is. <laughs> hey i'm still very, laughing. Very... I'm
1: laughing right now i don't know why <laughs> anyway. we're all laughing uh, the, it was a different it's a free will in 80s man people in 80s <laughs> yeah that's right we always say the free will
0: yeah. in 80s they also had uh police academy the first police i feel like i just the, they're all the, I, all seven of them seven of them
1: the, well the, the first one's rated r the first one's like a hard r oh, comedy oh, yeah. and the rest were all like pg pg-13 right. so yeah.
0: Uh, this is Spinal Tap, which unfortunately did not get best documentary because rules or whatnot. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek Three, you know, one of the lesser Star Treks, but yeah, it's not so not not, not terrible. In uh, all, in seriousness, you have The Natural, great baseball movie, and Once Upon a Time in okay. America. Yeah. Yep. But uh, Marquetti, I think there are some uh, some horror movies that came out this year that. A there were, interest.
2: yeah. You, you already, I mean, Gremlins is sort of a horror comedy, but the Christmas in movie, Nightmare on Elm, Nightmare on Elm Street was in 1984.
0: Yeah, the first, the the first, first one. one, I it's it's struck over that. Hour. That okay. feels. <laughs> remember that, that? It feels too. It feels too late for it. Like I just assumed it. Like every like all the horror movies started like came out in 1980, and they just had one every year until like 1993 or something. Well us
2: that's why that movie was so—it was huge because it, it took the big spin on the slasher. I mean, the slasher like heyday it was like the late '70s to like '82, and yeah. then all like the crap comes after that. So anything that was uh, a good spin on the formula was was well warranted, and that that's one of them. So, yeah.
1: and I, I and think the reason—I think the reason that you think it came out earlier is everyone equates it to Friday the Thirteenth, which mm. came out in 1980. Yeah,
2: 1980. So
1: you probably are like, oh yeah, those are like the same. Right. Those franchises have always existed at the same time, so they must have been all both come out in 1980. But yeah, I uh, was—I always get taken back when they say 84 as well. I
0: was born in 83, so I just assume that you know if if it's all—it's just always been around. And also, and also, the (laughs) the the final Friday the 13th—the final chapter came out this year. That's the the fourth one, one. but it was not the final chapter. Yeah, no. Uh, At the time, it was,
1: but the year after, it was not. (laughs) Um. (laughs) <laughs> it definitely, they definitely stopped trying to make them remotely serious after that one because well,
2: the, the fifth one isn't even Jason. It's a it's someone playing right. as Jason. Right, it's That's
0: right. So oh God, I forgot at, about at a that. home for wayward kids.
2: <laughs> yes, directed by a guy who worked in porn. Horrific. I think he worked in. Porn. I think the Danny Steinman he was a porno director it's so bad <laughs> yeah, um seems
1: about I mean right. but I mean we right. can we can agree that the fact that it ended with him in space is probably all you need to know the the like Jason yeah. X is him in space yep. so that's a that's how really that's the, how
0: game. that's how all franchises end much like the Fast and Furious franchise clearly needs to end in space, space. they have to they, go to space
1: they have to go to space <laughs> so I agree there's nowhere else we're, for them to go we're,
0: we're, where can they go <laughs> butt up um yeah, we can talk about nineteen eighty four. If you want to hear more about nineteen eighty four, find this was rad on uh podcast your podcast app and just burn through all hundred episodes. They're really great. It's great hearing a very disinterested and you know kind of sassy teenager watch these movies and, and crush uh Greg and his co hosts uh childhoods. It's 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 charming actually.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. Um Every movie I mentioned that we did, I'm pretty sure she hated every single one of yeah. them, uh, that's which is a safe position to take. And um, in, in case uh, one of my normal listeners decides to listen to this as well, because I'm on it. If I didn't mention that Buckaroo Banzai yeah. uh, came out in 84, I'm going to get yelled at. So. Across the
0: 8th eighth Dimension? Eighth,
1: is the 8th Dimension? Yeah, the actual name, I believe, is The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the 8th Dimension. Yeah. I believe is the full name of that film.
2: It it is. <laughs> yeah. okay, good. I was straightening my glasses. <laughs> Actually, nerd
1: cred, nerd cred. Well, it's like it's like when we did ET, and I refer, I refuse to refer to it as ET, and I called it ET, the extraterrestrial and his adventures on Earth.
0: <laughs> That's the only way I would refer to the film. Okay. Well, unfortunately, folks, uh, we're having fun here. We have fun, but we are not here to discuss. Uh, any of this we're actually here to discuss Amadeus and so we will take a very short break you're going to listen to something from the movie and when we return we're finally going to put on our serious faces and talk about all of the things that are going on in this movie so stick around we hope you do
3: start with the voices Basses first second beat of the first measure. time common time second beat of the first measure on A. Second measure, second beat. Maledictus, you see. Yes, yes, G Sharp. Of course. Yes. Second beat of the third measure. On E. Farmisacribus rest. Do you have me? I think so. Show me. First measure on C. Second measure, fourth beat. D. All right. Yes, 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 continue. Second beat of the fourth measure on F. Now the orchestra. Second bassoon and bass trombones with the basses. Identical notes and rhythm. First bassoon, tenor trombones, with the tenors. Oh, go, too you go too fast. Do you have it? Go too fast. Do you have it? First bassoon, tenor trombone, what? With the tenors. Identical? Of course. The instruments I... doubling the voices. Now, trumpets and timpani, no. trumpets and D. No, no. To- listen no, to me. I don't understand. Listen. Trumpets and D, tonic and dominant, first and third beats. It goes with the harmony. Uh. Uh. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Uh Yes, I understand. Yes, yes. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire.
0: All right, guys, let's talk about Amadeus. And for those of you who have not seen the movie... Or do not know who Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart is. Guys, can we get a brief little synopsis as to what is happening in this film?
2: Brief. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you could you could you could boil it down, right? It's it's just sort of his, his like ten years of his life, the last ten years of his life, uh, and sort of his uh ups and downs as he um kind of alongside uh court composer Antonio Salieri's sort of secret rivalry against him um and uh, i don't know there's about a million other things going on with
0: but yeah, that's the that's the long that's the long and or short of it i think that yeah. that cuts to the heart of what everyone remembers about this movie um in real life salieri and mozart were really great pals in fact i believe salieri even taught his uh mozart's kid um how uh, to play music afterwards. So uh, it comes up a bunch. I believe each of you have answered it, but to reiterate it again, does that bother you that this is in no way historically accurate? I'm seeing shaking so I heads.
2: Little, I guess a little bit.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I guess I, I guess going into it this time, I, I had been reading about it, so I knew. So I sort of took it with a grain of salt. Uh, if I had seen it all the way straight through the first time and had no idea, I might feel a little disappointed just because... No, I, I think we've talked about historical things, I and mean, I mean, you sort of want them to be true to life, just because if you're entertained or excited by something, you sort of want it to be real. And then when you find out it's not real, you feel sort of duped, I guess. Um, it doesn't it doesn't hurt it entirely at all
1: for me. No. Yeah, we've we've talked about this before. Where I now, I'm gonna I'm gonna back up for a second. What this film didn't do was say based on a true story. That's where I get real nervous. Because what that means is, this isn't based on anything close to a true story. We took somebody's name and we fabricated everything else. I'm also, uh, I've, I've uh, adopted while you guys were talking. I just adopted a brand new philosophy on this. History's written by the winners. Uh, this movie is a winner, so I'm going to say that this is what actually happened. I don't <laughs> care anymore. It's over. <laughs> Case closed. Yeah. Yeah, case closed. As <laughs> as <laughs> I'm so far Case closed. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is controlling the narrative as far as I'm concerned. I'm not going to go read a book. This movie is 100% historically accurate as far as I know. Yeah.
0: There I, we go. Yeah. I feel like there maybe I've had a conversation or there conversations have happened to people in the past where they have talked about Salieri as this great, you know, envious uh professional rival. And that's his—that's his place in history now. When, by all accounts, there seems to be no such thing. So it's funny how this—this this has actually taken on the, uh, basically, yeah. basically the historical record for, yeah. for us. Yeah. And they ain't gonna fight it. What can they do? They're dead. They've been dead for hundreds of years now.
1: Also, just like use your brain. How would anyone know any of this? <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Like, it right. doesn't make
1: any sense. Yeah.
0: Um, and I think although. It, oh. No, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. I know. I was gonna say. I think it works out in that it is not a biopic. If like, if it we're trying to be like, this is Mozart's life and all his what, what he did. Like, that's not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is is Mozart's the star, sort of. But it's more about Salieri than it is about, it ever was or is about Mozart.
1: I I would have loved it if, if, if like, Jaws, um the, the author of Jaws, if, like, Peter Schaefer then de- devoted the rest of his life to explaining to people that Salieri really was not a bad person and just spent all his money trying to go around and convince everybody that it was he was totally a fine guy and, you know, you just have, like, horrible guilt for, like, causing all these hates for someone who didn't deserve it. That would be that would wait, amazing. Wait, is that what Peter like Benchley did? Too yeah no. he he from look from what I've read, and I read stuff on the internet, so who knows? but um from from what I've read, um he actually, like feels terrible or felt terrible that he inspired so much like hatred and fear towards sharks, sharks. And, <laughs> and spent a lot of his money like attempting to you know, educate the public. Like, look, I wrote a fiction book. <laughs> They're not really yeah. eating boats, <laughs> you know, and awesome sea captains. It doesn't happen. That was not real. I needed money. I wrote a book, which bears no resemblance to the movie. You know, cause no, there's like a mob subplot in the book. That Spielberg was like, no, we don't, no, nope, we don't need this. This is leaving. Get out of here. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, I, I, that that's what I'm gonna say has happened. I'm gonna say Peter Sheffer spent all the money he made from this to try to convince people, and it failed because we still didn't
2: believe it. So. We still didn't believe it. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the
0: on the subject of Salieri, um, so Salieri is he is a by all accounts successful composer in his own right. He worked very hard. He this is his dream. This is his goal in life to compose music for a wealthy patron. In this case, the uh Emperor of Austria played by Jeffrey Jones, so I guess the question is uh or question or statement rather is we have all been Salieri, right does that sounds sound accurate we've all yeah, been we've accurate. all yeah. we've all worked for something really hard, and then this punk ass kid comes along and just does everything better, and I understand the feeling of man fuck this guy i because when you when you first meet Mozart, he's chasing he's chasing after his uh, future wife, uh, Constance, and just being just a dick. And he has this laugh, and man, <laughs> I would hate him for nothing more than this laugh because just every time it just gets right to the fucking, it just dives right into it, dives right into you, and it's so frustrating. So. I don't even know if I have a question there, because now I'm just not, <laughs> no, well, I'm just, I'm just just kind of um, just uh, I'm just I'm just just is more mad. I'm just thinking about the laugh, and it's uh, I uh, well, how do you? Well, have you guys ever felt that like really felt that towards someone else in a professional capacity? Really.
1: Yeah. I I mean I'm I'm hard pressed to think of an exact example, but I mean it's very relatable. It's in, and. and what, at least in my opinion, what specifically bothers Salieri is it's how easy it seems to come to him and how he can't understand how he came up with something so great. Um, I, was, I was reading the Roger Ebert review, mm. and um, he had a really good line in it where he said <clears throat> that Salieri's forced to be a third-rate composer with a first-class ear so he knows how bad he is or or, or or how, like, mediocre he is. Right.
0: He's The king of... He's the, what, emperor of mediocrity or... <laughs> right, yeah, he's, yeah, the patron saint that's, that's, of the patron mediocrity. Saint. Mediocrity. Saint. Yeah. mediocrity. Yeah. And when you... When the movie gets set up like that, I'm almost expecting a sort of sports movie where you have the really naturally talented guy mm. gets taken down a peg or two in terms of humility, and right. it it kind of happens. We like Mozart is by no means he's by no means a particularly happy figure. He's plagued. He's debt ridden, but there never comes this moment where he's you know he's told like you, you have to like he, I think no he gets told once you have to be a little more humble and completely rejects it and it doesn't follow <laughs> yeah, this right. trajectory. And what I think is interesting about it is that the rivalry never becomes something like in the prestige or something where you have these two very talented figures like battling back and forth in this Mozart does not even know that Salieri is mad at him or jealous or anything. And so uh, what makes F. Murray Abraham great, I think is one of the main things we'll, we'll talk about is that he's able to convey all of this like seething, like understated rage and just this jealousy underneath this very very pleasant exterior that he Mm. that he presents to him and um I guess the the question that comes up is like I I do love Tom Hulse and I think there's a case to be made for him actually winning because it's the more showy role but Greg uh, I think you answered it but I want to hear Matt's Matt's opinion on this too should the awards have been reversed like who like which performance did you find more powerful
2: I, I definitely agree with, I think, what the Academy went with. As much as Tom Hulce is great, particularly as the, the film progresses, I think he's like an acquired taste, particularly the first time you see it. At first, you're just like, what, what is happening? There's no one is speaking with accents, and or some people are. And I read <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. I read that Foreman was just like, he wanted people to focus on the performance and not get hung up on the accents, which I think is the better decision overall. Uh, and I think as the movie progresses progresses, you get used to Tom Hulse and you get used to his performance, and then particularly I think the movie, his role gets meatier as it goes on, every like sort of act it gets mm-hmm. more intense and more intense so by the end when he's, you know, that scene where he's dictating to Salieri it's, you're like, oh. damn, he's really fucking good in this scene, but F. Murray Abraham throughout is, I think the stronger performance, I think he has the meatier role in general um, whereas Mozart sort of plays like the catalyst that gets things going for him Um, And what you were just talking about with his sort of um, his back and forth, like I completely at moments sort of forget his underhandedness just because he's so charming in certain sequences. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's like the most Shakespearean villain I can think of. He's like um, Iago from Othello He's pretty much like that's exactly what he is. He's he's, he's Iago, except that Iago is like villainous, like you can obviously tell he's the bad guy. Whereas with Thalieri, I was like, is he a villain? Is he not a villain? Like, is he like? Yeah. Do I hate him? Do I not hate him? I mean, th- to me, that's the sign of a, the mark of a really, really good performance. When you're sort of conflicted about how you feel about not just the performance but the character at the end, um, that's something that's that should be noted. I
1: think. So yeah, I agree that um, it, I would actually love to know what the screen time difference is between Hulse and Abraham, mm. because mm-hmm. I I feel like Abraham has way more. Screen time, but I I don't know if that's actually true or not.
0: Oh, that would be interesting. It seems it's, that way. Um, it's it 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 may seem that way, but also it's be just because Hulse is so loud and outlandish that he seems to he dominates whatever scene he comes in, comes yeah. into. He he just he just oh he walks in, he walks into the room. He owns it, or if he doesn't own it, you're you're watching him to see what he will do next. It's a very uh it's a very showy role. Mm-hmm. Which he uh, kind of pretends the to like, but this time they went for the uh, for the lower role on the subject of hate. What's great about Salieri is that I don't you know, is that he doesn't actually he hates Mozart, but actually what he really does he hates himself. He hates himself for not being good enough for being because uh, uh, it, it turns into this story about how he hates God and the talents mm-hmm. that God has given him. And all the struggle he had to go through, and yet now God is speaking through Mozart and this this man-child. Uh, and it's very hard to to display such restrained and subtle self hatred, and while still remaining an interesting character, he could have easily got lost in you know, lost in pity and sadness like that. But he he, re- he remains charming and even cunning. <laughs> till the very end until that until that until, until that final scene and I love that final scene when they are composing together when mm. Mozart is dictating to Salieri and you can just see that Salieri like he he's not even he's not even worthy enough to write down these notes he can't <laughs> even keep up with it yeah oh it's um it's so dazzling to see and I can really feel that. I can. Like, it's a relatable. It's a relatable feeling to be in, the awe in in the presence of such, of such talent. There. Um,
1: well, one one of the things that I think is so great, and I think in '84, I don't think they had like sound editing. I don't think that was even a category yet. Um, I probably should have looked that up when I had the, uh, the sheet up. But um, the the use of music, how it how it specifically, is where it's placed and how it comes in is really really uh, pivotal in this movie and like without the the real attention the sound and like where it comes in and how it comes in is is amazing because the scene where he's dictating could have been a terrible scene. No oh, yeah. It's just it's too, it's literally one guy shouting out things that nobody understands unless they're in music. Right. Like he's he's shouting out terms and stuff that I'm like, I think I remember that from like eight-year-old piano lessons. <laughs> like maybe I think I know what that is, but it works incredibly well where like it, it that, that scene starts out with the two of them and it's just Mozart explaining what he wants to Salieri and then Salieri hands him the pages. And then all of a sudden you start hearing mm-hmm. what Mozart's hearing in his head while he's looking at it. He's like, yes, yes, yes. And then you see Salieri when he starts taking more dictation. He begins to hear wh- the music comes in when he begins to understand what it's actually going to sound like. And then it's kind of it it swells to kind of all the instruments are there all together while they're going back and forth. And like that's that's a it, it's such a subtle thing to use music like that, but it makes the scene the, the scene that the three of us probably would say is the best scene of the film. Oh,
0: absolutely, yes, absolutely, yeah. and. And it also it gives Salieri just a little taste of that of that right. that touch of that touch of grace, and then is she's robbed of it, and that's what makes the final his final his final moments on the on the movie just devastating. It's um I do not believe they had sound sound at mm-hmm. It was just it was just sound at the time, but just this, sound This would yeah. have this would have yeah easily taken it well it should have it should have taken it, it certainly didn't take original score because uh, as the guy who won original score said i'm glad mozart wasn't nominated this year <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i was
1: i was thinking about that i was like were, were people getting nervous <laughs> but they were like uh we're not gonna beat mozart <laughs> you know what i mean like that's a that's a high hill to climb
0: yeah. right? you know yeah uh, guys how exactly is salieri's master like is that a good is this a good plan that he has hatched for this seems very convoluted it's always way
2: way complicated
1: i i love there's one scene i wrote this down so when he take when he he buys the costume that the dad wore at that party he was at Mm -hmm. and he goes it's the second time he shows up And Mozart's wife is there. The whole scene, she's just smiling and super happy. And I'm like, nothing in your body (laughs) is telling you a strange costumed man has shown up and is demanding that your husband write music for him. And you're just like, thumbs up. I'm loving this. Like, she has a child at that point. (laughs) No instinct is like, get this guy out of here. He's creeping me out. Nope. <laughs> no, no, It's totally fine. Yep. I, was, I mean, well, he has money, right? I mean, come on. It's fine. Yep.
2: That's all that's it's a, about. That's, that's all. all we care about. It's
0: uh...
2: about money? Yes. Yeah, so, no, I, I, what I like about his plan is that it's, it is very convoluted when you think about the whole of it, but it, it sort of evolves, right? It's, he tries different approaches and then he sort of comes to this, this final one that we're, we're talking about right now, this sort of Requiem Mass uh, composition. So the whole of it is is crazy, but that's because he's sort of, and this I can definitely relate to, he's sort of juggling multiple stories and lies with different people, and he's sort of, she's trying to hold it all together, and he, he hits upon this um, this this moment with this Requiem Mass once Mozart's father dies, and to him that sort of becomes like his masterpiece, like his his composition. Yeah, he's trying to steal the Requiem Mass for himself, but his sort of plan uh, becomes sort of his sort of masterstroke that he's trying. So that part of it, I was like, man, I-, I wouldn't have the patience to do what you're doing. But it is just a- that's a nasty, devious thing he's got going on. Um, and I was really into it. Like, <laughs> I was really into all aspects of it. Uh, I don't know what that says about me, but. I think I know what it says about me. I don't know what that means. I'm sharp lips.
1: Ta- yeah, I don't know what it says about me. The line only people who know exactly what it says about them says. <laughs> right, right. Kind of like this is a true story. Like that's only liars say this is a true story. <laughs> right. Pe- people who are habitually called into question for their honesty use that phrase. <laughs> yeah, um, no, but I, I I'm I'm with you on that one, Marchetti. I love the the sort of. Um, uh, he has like a skeleton of a plan and he's right. smart enough to jump on opportunities when he sees them. Right. And you know only he could pull this plan off because only he is so uh you know um into Mozart. You know he knows Mozart better than Mozart knows himself at this point. He is just yeah. you know like like he talked about in the film he went to every performance of you know he he made sure that they only had limited runs but he went to every performance oh, and he knows yeah yeah he just he knows it he and it's 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 interesting how mozart kind of inadvertently set up his own demise that by by putting himself into his work and putting it out there salieri was able to be like oh this is, yeah I, I can see what he's doing from a mile away i can use this against right. him like right. easy
0: yeah and then and then he, Sal, salieri may in some. You, it could be read that Salieri like kind of helped kill him by just forcing him to work through the night right. as while he was sick and and whatnot. And that's what he he's,
2: he says that in the beginning, right? He was he says I'm his assassin, basically. Yeah, right? He he sort of like I killed I killed it. Mozart.
0: Yeah. That that beginning scene was was hilarious. It wasn't just we didn't just cut directly to them. We cut to the guy from that famous character actor just eating some some sweets, which which just
2: <laughs> just two creepy dudes. Just two <laughs>
0: Oh
1: the oh that yeah the um he was in fast times yeah, yeah what what is his I,
0: name I don't he's 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 always he's, he can always be the weird creepy with... dude I feel like he was in some horror movie anyways but the what I like about that is that it actually does sort of come around and that it shows that Salieri he man has a sweet tooth he loves them cakes <laughs> oh
2: yeah that's 100% true <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I just realized it's a lot of desserts in this. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's constantly <laughs> eating the desserts. That's right. I mean, they look delicious.
2: Well, it's an it's a very Italian thing. Like he's very like there's a there's a sort of like nationalistic current running through the whole movie and for different cultures and mm-hmm. um and that's definitely like an Italian yeah. thing. Desserts like like so it it fits. It fits one hundred percent.
0: The opera should only be in Italian, sir. Germans too brusque a language. That's a great. Scene. Yeah, that's, that's a, great, a that's great, actually yeah. a pretty great thing and. On that, one of the subtexts I enjoy about this movie is that uh, we're in 2017. Classical music is, you know, it's like, oh, fucking Mozart, whatever. I'll play it for like the kid in the womb, and you know, that's it. Mm-hmm. But like, this is kind of showing that you know, class. Mozart was kind of a he was a radical musician back then, going against the established yeah. order. And you, know, and you know, at some point, he becomes like literally the the person you try to emulate. Throughout the rest of your uh, for your career, uh, it's it's funny to think of how you know meet the old boss same as the new boss. How just the the new revolution becomes the same old same old. And now and now we and and now we have ballet and we have dancing in opera, which I didn't think was a thing that never existed, but apparently might have. Uh, it's,
1: it's, uh. I I was very curious why they banned <laughs> ballet at the opera. I kind of want a movie about that because that is so specific. Like, it's it's kind of like when you go to somebody's house and like they have a weird rule. It's like, well, what incidents led <laughs> yeah, up what, to this them to or make that? a rule where they were like, okay, no, no more, no more. We've tried this. No, no, it is not happening ever again. Like, I'm just too frustrated. No more ballet in I'm the perfect. operas. I'm I've had it. Yeah. I've had it with <laughs> all of this. This malarkey is <laughs> yeah. over. What if it was
0: just the ballet? Would like is just a ballet okay? Like could you just have the, the dancing I mean, company? Like there's no opera involved? In this hypothetical yeah, I, I think as long
1: as there's no opera, yeah, I think you're okay. But um but yeah, no, Mozart to your point was totally I mean, people say he's punk rock, but he's really metal. I mean Mozart literally wrote a song called Lick Me in the Ass. <laughs> that really? that is that is a that is a fact. Yes, that is a <laughs> wow. fact. That is a real song. Based on, um, a true story. <laughs> based on a true, that, I believe is based on a true story. But like, um, uh, they definitely portray him as kind of a, like a punk rock musician. Like his wig at one point has yeah. like a little bit of mm-hmm. pink to it. Like yeah. that's that's definitely in in the mind of this where the the old stuffy musicians, and here comes the punk kid who's like, "Well, I don't care about any of these rules, and you know why do we do this and the peop- you know the adults are like, well we've just we- this is the way it's always been, and he's like, that holds no sway to me yeah, right' like, I don't I care know. like all you're doing is stifling my creativity with yeah. these old thoughts so. and it
0: it one of the original people who was considered for the role, David Bowie. Which Wow, wow. Yeah that wig right Yeah, I mean, the, the wig right there, you're like, Oh, he's 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 channeling Bowie right now. He's got the little Yeah uh, everything. Yeah, I, definitely. I don't know if that would have worked. Bowie's he's a little no. too he's a little too little too stark. Tom Holse has a very um <laughs> like like
2: <laughs> Can you just imagine him laughing. Imagine David Bowie laughing. <laughs> he already he
0: already <laughs> he already had his epic um his epic ballroom scene in Labyrinth anyways. So that's yeah, another film we're yeah, Which by the way, uh Greg which Greg, I do I I do have to <laughs> yes. respectfully disagree with you on that. I think I think that movie is still rad.
1: Oh, okay. I yeah, that's fine. Marchetti, you wanna weigh in? Labyrinth's still rad?
2: I love Labyrinth. <laughs>
1: God damn it, everybody loves Labyrinth. I can't
2: think I can't stop thinking about
1: I D- it. Movie. I watched it, I watched it. I watched it with my daughter who's five and halfway through the movie, she just goes, the movie's long.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> she just was not having
2: it. Not having
0: she it. <laughs> your, daughter, your daughter takes, she does not take any, any guff, any, any nonsense. No,
1: no. no. It was like one time I messed up my goatee, so I had to shave it off and she was like four. And, she, and I walk out of the bathroom and she just looked at me and goes, Daddy, you look terrible. <laughs> <laughs> just, nope. You're going to hear about it. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. Stuff to, fun stuff we, to we, did, to. we did we did a bit it was it was what's a better movie Labyrinth versus Legend. Where do you guys weigh in on that?
0: Ooh. Um hmm. Labyrinth. I'm gonna have to go with, I think I have to go with Labyrinth. Yeah. Yeah, I was I, really I feel good.
2: like I'd have to watch them like back to back and then really feel about which which, which is one really sort of yeah, yeah, just didn't feel like
1: Loaded. Weird. The, yeah. the, so jim henson is great but he can't tell like he doesn't understand story structure or just like doesn't care about Nobody it cares. he probably doesn't care <laughs> and labyrinth i mean a uh, uh, legend specifically if you get the director's cut it is a much different movie
0: because okay.
1: it has like the original yeah. score in it not tangerine dream and stuff so it's it's I'm it's kind of difficult
0: not the here. tangerine dream score
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it was Jerry Goldsmith oh. did the score. Like, yeah, he did. On, he did
0: stuff. Oh, Okay. Yeah, he All did. Right. All right. But um, <laughs> yeah. On, on a similar subject, guys, uh, I have a I have an idea for for casting Tom Hulse. Uh, he didn't really go on to much. Um, well, he he, he did a couple things here and there. He's won some stuff on Broadway. But I you know, you know what I'm thinking this man kind of reminds me of Mark Hamill. This guy would have made a great Joker, great live action Joker. Yeah. Yes or no? I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll say yeah. Just,
2: I'm trying to look at pictures of young Tom Hulse.
0: Well, yeah, you know, he's, he's got that rubbery face, the rubbery, the rubbery, attitude yeah, and, and yeah. that stupid laugh. That I, I, I heard yeah. that laugh. I'm like, oh, he's the fucking Joker. What's, what's, what's going on here?
1: Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree if they had, if they had cast him instead of, uh, instead of Nicholson in like the the
0: '88 Burton Batman. I could I could could have have seen it. Could have been fun. Could have been fun. Yeah. What is the legacy of like um not the legacy? What is the pop culture influence of Amadeus? Um, like I don't like we have the song, we have Rock Me Amadeus. Yes, we do know that. I do know what the song is. Uh, has do do you think this like penetrated the sort of um, public consciousness in the way like certain other films do, or has it largely been kind of left behind? Hmm. That's a that's a good question.
1: I know when we were growing up, this was an oft referenced movie. Yes. Um it it would appear as, you know, kind of like the the we were talking about earlier, the Sally Field, like you like me, you really like me, misquote. You know, it would show up in uh, you know, the animation of our youth, like mainly Animaniacs and 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 stuff like that. Uh, Simpsons would be another one so yeah i don't know though i'm i'm very curious i can't imagine kids at this point in pop culture reference amadeus anymore i i just don't see no, it.
2: they do not I,
1: no. okay there we go yeah actually you would know wouldn't you yeah no they don't
2: no they do not <laughs> <laughs> i don't
0: know what the fuck i'm talking about yeah exactly they don't they don't know the eclectic stylings of falco even these days, I know, I know, I know. What a world! <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think if you want a professional rivalry, pop culture phenomenon, you probably just go with Hamilton nowadays. Uh, okay. Know,
2: so, but wow, yeah, that's so you actually drew a pretty clean line there. I didn't even think about
0: that. <laughs> I'm saying, and also, you know what, Lin Manuel could totally be Mozart if they ever decided to remake this movie. Which, yeah, Greg, how how would you feel about if they remade uh, Amadeus? I hate remakes. I rip
1: off on a day. Don't don't remake it. Like just all we have is ripoffs now. I mean, all all we have is remakes now. And you look at the you look at the greatest movies of our youth. A lot of them are ripoffs. Star Wars is a ripoff because George Lucas couldn't get the rights to um, was it uh, it wasn't Buck Rogers. It was it was Flash Gordon. Yeah, Uh, you know Indiana Jones is a ripoff of serials that they grew up on. Rip, rip off Amadeus. Don't, don't remake it, please, okay. please stop remaking everything. Don't just stop.
0: Just don't okay. do it. Rip off maybe. I get
1: it. I get it. It's, it's the film business. I get it. Like you go with a known quantity, eh. you're gonna make money. But come on.
0: <laughs> All right. So maybe, maybe give it a maybe get a little modern update, two rock stars or I don't something or other. It
1: could work. Just, just don't, just don't have the the especially now that it's been proven to be very historically inaccurate. You can tell Mozart's story, but just don't tell it through Salieri's eyes. Mm. You want a modern update, tell it through his wife's eyes. You can, you can put a female gaze through it and that you could probably do something with a a real competent director um, who really got that, I think could tell a very interesting story Mm. about like a kind of a naive woman marrying someone she thought was great. And then kind of watching her life fall apart as he drinks himself (laughs) to death.
0: yeah yeah.
2: that'll bring the kids in
1: (laughs) yeah that's good can we get someone from the eastern block to write it that'd be great
2: (laughs) it's always cold here (laughs) that's right yes
1: we drink not to love but just not to feel be fantastic
0: so we uh, we come to the uh, come to the end of it guys uh, greg moberg amadeus yes did amadeus deserve best pitcher in 1984
1: it's not often I get to say this, but I think they made the right call. Ah. I think they did. Now, given I, I have self-admittedly not seen any other movies this was up against, but um, without that, it has still been um lauded critically, mm-hmm. and and it and it is still on. You know, AFI lists it on their like top 100 movies you have to see it's always on there Mm -hmm. and it's still considered you know just just a a solid movie from multiple points um be it uh acting or uh directing and you know all the all the costumes and all that stuff it's it's just a a incredibly well-crafted movie that's uh kind of somehow greater than the sum of its parts Mm -hmm. so i say yes yes Yes, the academy so uh
0: so to put in other words uh was rad is rad
1: Oh yeah, no. No. Super super rad. <laughs> <Excellent>. Matt Marchetti.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I I agree. I think that they made the right decision. Uh, I think it, <clears throat> it entertains on like every possible level. There's, you know, romance, it's funny, it's really dramatic, it's really well put together. There's a sort of a suspenseful aspects to it. There's really kind of heartbreaking aspects to it. And the thing we always Talk about, and sometimes it's harder to find this in, in films and in other ones. But there is a, a universality to it. We were just talking about the sort of uh, you know ambition and jealousy, and the sort of uh, you know knowing that um, people that are born super talented um, they're going to have an easier go at certain aspects in life, and people who have to work constantly are going to have a, a harder go. But that there's sort of like a nice middle ground. You don't have to um, you know kill your rivals <laughs> or drive them crazy. You can sort of just be the person you're going to be. And I, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I think they made the right choice. It's a long fucking movie that is really, for me, entertaining for the entirety of its three hours. I, I was really not bored, I don't think, at any point. Um, and that I was thinking about The Last Emperor and how that was, it was good, but it wasn't very entertaining in, in large doses at times. I, I found this to be really entertaining um, throughout. Even even when it was dark, and even when it was sort of like, all right, yeah. let's get to this part. You still were like, oh, but this is so good. You have to sort of like relish every moment of it. So, yes, they made the right choice.
0: Okay. Uh, I will have to make it three for three. The Academy did make the right choice in this. It is a, uh, it's both epic and mm. intimate. It's uh, really mm. this great story about a friendship, or or rivalry, whatever you want to call it. It's not really a rivalry. Rivalry, it you know, usually implies that both. People, are, com- Both uh, people are competing against one another of these two very talented uh, figures in history that, you know, is a great uh, look at professional jealousy and envy and ambition and how it can consume you. And, you know, I uh, like uh, the like Sally pettiness is so, uh, so palpable. I just love it. Mur- uh, Ephraim Mary Abraham is uh, one of a kind. Uh, I love how he. I love how they referenced uh, his character Salieri in the great underrated movie Last Action Hero. He killed Mozart. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You really go see- well done.
2: <laughs> well done. <laughs> There's the legacy.
0: And yeah, and there, right there, boom. You get you, you get referenced in a Shane Black movie. You're all you're you're all good to go. You're good. You're good to go. Yeah, you're good to go. <laughs> um, it's a long movie. I you know modern art audiences would probably have no patience for this long camera shots, lots of talking. Oh yeah. Uh lots of, you know, people in costumes, etc., but it is a brilliant and breathtaking film that I hope people can find uh can find use of and find something to to take away uh in the in the many many years to come. Mm. So, you have been listening to the Oscar Watch podcast. Thank you. So very much you can write us an email at oscar at gmail.com and be sure to find us on social media at oscar watch pod and like subscribe and leave a review preferably a nice review on itunes we'd love to hear from you and it does really get the word out about the podcast mr greg moberg yes where can people find all of your brilliant and amazing episodes
1: <laughs> well i that's that's overselling a little bit but um uh, you can find this was rad anywhere podcasts can be downloaded uh you know we're on itunes if you want to go to an actual website that we have we're at this was rad all one word uh dot podbean.com where this was rad podcast on twitter uh we're on facebook um yeah by all means please in- interact with us uh we just started really like devoting a lot of time to twitter so now we have like a like a laughably bad amount of Twitter followers, but it's like, it's, it's, it's getting better. So yeah.
0: Yeah. And Matt Marchetti, how about you? (laughs) Uh,
2: you can find me on Instagram at uh, movie underscore matinee with two T's. Uh, try to do a movie review a day. Um, sometimes more right now I'm working on the nine sort of nine films in the universal mummy franchise, the, the the classic one and then the the one from the late 90s to early 2000s leading up to uh, the one coming out next week with Tom yeah. Rivers, Uh that I'm planning on seeing i probably by Sunday so I'll have that one up on Sunday so I'm gonna do one a day um,
0: you know how it goes uh, you know how yeah, we do yeah we do <laughs> ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for listening next week uh, it'll be a surprise we'll figure it out what we we we'll, we will be talking about next it all depends on guests that we might have on. Greg Moberg, thank you very much for joining us from the West Coast. Yes, thank you, Greg. Always, thank you always a pleasure you. talking with you. Uh, looking forward to that Red Dawn episode. Very interesting to hear. <laughs> I'm, as always, I'm, I'm interested to see, hear how much Willow hated this movie, but who knows? Maybe we'll be surprised.
1: Well, uh, actually, this is uh, Willow wasn't oh, in this episode <laughs> because right. she was, she's studying for finals. Uh, <laughs> so we... uh. You could just hear two uh, old guys who think they're really funny uh, talk about (laughs) Red Dawn.
0: (laughs) Wolverines! And on that note, we (laughs) we will see you next time on The Red Car.
3: I'm about to